turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we're going to look at the first five verses. And we're going to talk about, again, Paul basically conveying his heart to the Thessalonians in spite of all that they're going through. And there's something that we can learn from this. And that, I think that's especially true in light of the circumstances that we're going through in our culture, in our society at this time. Because there seems to be a lot of turmoil and a lot of chaos, and people don't really know how to react, and it's wearing on them, and especially if you add to that all the stuff that we normally go through. And so we're going to talk today about the reality that we're not meant to go through this alone. You and I are not meant to go through this in isolation. We sometimes, I mean, we sometimes think that the reality is, is that I'm the one that's by myself. No, you can't do it on your own. You weren't created that way. And when you're a believer, you especially need the church family around you to guide you. You say, well, we have you, George, as pastor to guide us. Yes, I'm one of the guides in, the, in your life, but there are other people who will guide you in your life. You say, well, yeah, we have the elders. We have the other leaders. We have Sunday school teachers. Yes, they're all part of it, but there's a lot more than that. It's the average person sitting next to you who can guide your life. And there's a reason why they do that, because they care. And you need that. See, I think if you remember what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, we need to come together to stir each other to love and good works. Love, loving each other, good works, the service that we need to do for the Lord as we live our lives. We need each other to guide us. You need someone to guide you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the importance of allowing people to speak into your lives. And we're going to see that in verses 1 through 5. So let's look together. It's going to be up on your screen for you, or you can read it in your own Bible. We're looking at it from the King James. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying to the Thessalonians. He says this, Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. And St. Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourself know that we were appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. Okay, so let's, let's kind of remind ourselves what's going on here. At this point in Paul's life, you know, he had left 
Thessalonica a few months before. He left behind a church that he had established by his own blood and sweat. And now he's really down into the lower part of Greece towards the area of Athens. And he's concerned about their well-being. He's concerned about people coming in to deceiving them. He's concerned about them maintaining their faith, especially in light of the difficult circumstances that they're going through in Thessalonica. And so this is why this letter was written. And he has already, we've already seen in chapter 2, he has wanted to come and see them. He's wanted to check on them, but Satan has hindered them because of the persecution and the suffering and the difficulty of the time. They weren't able to do that. So here he is now. He's decided because he cares for them and he wants to make sure that they're guided, he's going to send Timothy his spiritual son, to help them. And from this, we're going to see a couple of things, folks. We're going to see, first of all, the motivation that you and I need to have in being a guide to everyone else around us and what spiritual guidance looks like. And that's what we're going to see here. Because the reality is, listen to me, the reality is you cannot do this alone. I can't do it alone. Look, I myself need to be spiritually fed, not just by what I read during the week or my personal devotional time, but by other ministers speaking to me, either through podcasts or, or through videos or whatever, or through books. But also I have in, in my life a community of believers who speak to me weekly into my spiritual life and what needs to happen in my life. And you need that. And the key place for that to happen is within our church, is within our church. So let's first talk about, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. We're going to talk about the motivation. So let me read those two verses to you again, okay? Here it is. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. I'll stop there. Let me give you these two thoughts right here. Two thoughts for you and I. Here's the first one. They were concerned about the spiritual well-being of others. Now look, when you read verse 1 and 2, it's really easy to say, oh, well, you know, I'm really concerned about other people and how they're doing spiritually. It's really easy to say that. But what's being conveyed in these verses is not just that, oh, I'm concerned about people growing in Jesus. No, they were personally hurting for the believers in Thessalonica. They wanted to be sure that they were doing okay. See, and I think that's the first thing that needs to happen because a lot of times we're in our self-centered world even when we come to church, we're here for me and we're here for myself and we're here for I and we're concerned about what am I going to get and, and, and is this going to minister to me? And even as I'm watching this right now, is this going to minister to me? No, no, that's not the issue. The issue is, is you're a part of a believer, a group of believers known as the church so that you can be there for other people. And have you taken the time to look around, like when we gather, when you think about the folks who are in the church, 
are you concerned for them? And I'm not just talking about are you concerned with them because they're going through health issues or you know that they're going through financial difficulties or whatever. Are you concerned that they're growing in their relationship with Jesus? And maybe you're seeing something in their life because maybe how they're reacting to what's going on around them. You see some signs in their lives that kind of tell you that things aren't going well. And you're concerned for them. See, this is what was motivating them. They were concerned about the spiritual well-being of others. Here's the second thing I want you to see. They made an effort to help others. They made an effort to help others. So here's what happens. Paul says, you know what? We decided instead of us moving on and doing our ministry, I'll just remain in Athens. And we see that in Acts. Acts chapter 17 will tell you what's going on here. And, and, and basically he decides, I'm going to stay put because I'm going to send back, because I can't go, I'm hindered from going, I'm going to send back Timothy and send him, and that's a journey. We're not just talking about a two, hop in a car and drive for two hours. They've got to go through roads that are perilous, make their way back to Thessalonica to be sure that they can be there for the church to help them. He's going the extra mile here to be there to help people because he's concerned about their spiritual well-being. Think about it, folks, if our church was like that, if we were like that with each other, that we were concerned about how people are doing in their faith, in their walk with Jesus, and we would go the extra mile and make the effort to help them. That's what we see here. That's the motivation. That really, for me as a pastor, that's pretty convicting. Because why do I do what I do? Is it for what goals I want to achieve or, or what level of ministry I want to see have happening here at Kerwinsville Christian Church? Or is it because I care for the people and the families of our church and I'm concerned for them and I would do what I need to do for them? See, this is, this is the motivation that we need to see. And that should be true of all of us. When we come here, it's not because of what I can get. It's because I'm a part of a family, a spiritual family. And I want to make sure that everybody's doing okay. Because it's so easy to be distracted. I know that, you know that. We say, okay, George, well, what kind of spiritual guidance do we give? Well, I think this is what's so wonderful about verses 2 through 5. Because they tell us. They're going to give us six things here. Six things that are going to tell us how to give spiritual guidance to each other. Because here's the thing. I'm going to tell you right now. We're all in need of guidance, and we receive guidance from each other. That includes me. I receive guidance from the men in this church. There are key men in this church who I consider my friends. They give me guidance. They hold my feet to the fire sometimes when I need it. 
And you have people in this church, hopefully as you're interacting with them, they're giving you guidance. And we're going to see from the word of God here what needs to take place in this guidance with each other. So let's start with verse 2, the second half there. Notice with me what Paul says Timothy's going to do. All right, here's what Timothy's going to do. He says, you know, I sent Timothy, then here, go a little bit further in the verse, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. To establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. So I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts here before we move on to verse 3. All right, here's the first one. They wanted to establish them in the faith. They wanted to establish them in the faith. Now, I think everybody understands. When you first start out in faith in Jesus Christ, you start out in response to the gospel. You start out with the realization that I can't do anything for salvation. I can't do anything about the garbage in my life. I can't do anything about my sin. I can't do anything about my guilt. Jesus has done it all for me. He offers salvation to me because he died on the cross. All I need to do is respond by faith. And you responded by faith. And you were saved. But that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning of the journey. That's just the beginning of the relationship. What needs to happen now with every person is what we call discipleship, where somebody comes alongside of you and takes you from that point and helps you in your journey one step after the other, especially as you face the things of life. Because there are many things that are going to be out there that are going to try to shake your faith. And so they want to establish you in the basics of your relationship, in the basics of the faith of Christ. And that's why Timothy was sent there, to establish them. But notice he said, not just to establish him, but to do something else. And so that's what my second point is here. They also wanted to continue to encourage them in their faith. This is a separate thing from the establishment issue. What do you mean, George? Well, you can know what it is about your Christian life and know what it is about the faith, but as you live your life, you need someone there alongside of you encouraging you because of, let's go ahead and just be realistic, here's the number one thing, you're going to sin. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. And when you face that, a lot of times you just want to give up. You need someone alongside of you to encourage you to, like, come on, pick yourself up. Jesus forgives. Move on in your relationship. That's one aspect. Here's another one. As you're going through your life and as you're living your life for Jesus, you need someone to come alongside of you because there are times when you're going to face stuff where you're going to want to throw in the towel. And we've seen people do that through the years, haven't we? Walk away from the faith because they had a wrong concept of Christ and, and nobody was there to encourage them. See, this is what Paul's doing. He's sending Timothy back to them, not just to establish them, make sure about their faith in Christ, but also to encourage them, especially in light of the persecution that they were facing, especially in light of the difficult times that they're going through. That's what we need to be here for each other. 
That's what we need to be here for each other. Now, look with me, verse 3. We'll see our third point. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourself know that we are appointed to this. All right, so here's the third thing. This is why you need spiritual guidance, okay? This is why we need to be a guide to others. They wanted to make sure that they withstood the sufferings. They wanted to make sure that they withstood the sufferings. Now, and that's because they understand that suffering is a part of our lives. Now, here's the scoop. That takes a concerted effort on my part and on your part. Because in our culture, in our society, when we see somebody going through it, our tendency is not to get involved. We don't want to get involved. Oh, we hurt for them, but we're not going to get involved. Now, Paul is in a different place because he cares for them and he wants what's best for them and he wants to guide them spiritually. He wants to make sure that as they go through it, they're going to stand. He's going to be with them. He's going to invest in them. He invests here by sending Timothy. Timothy is going to invest in them to make sure that they withstand the suffering that they're called to, that you and I are called to. And that's why we need each other. That's why you need church. That's why you need to interact with each other and be concerned for each other. And when you see somebody going through it, whatever it may be, it may even be something that they have created for themselves, because I've heard that. Well, you know, I would help them, but they did that to themselves. They got to learn the lesson. Yeah, and how many lessons do you and I need to learn? And consequences are a bear. But we got to help them and encourage them and guide them for their spiritual lives. That's what's going on here in verse 3. Now notice though, though, he also points out something that we need to do in our spiritual guidance, and that's verse 4. Here's what he says. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation, just as it happened, and you know. Now here's the fourth point I want you to see, okay? Here's the fourth point. They were realistic with others about the suffering. This is a key component of giving spiritual guidance. You and I need to be realistic with others that life is hard and that following Jesus brings its own set of problems on top of what the world gives you. And you need to be realistic. And that's what Paul's saying here that they were with the Thessalonians. They were realistic with them about what was happening and about what's going to happen. They were realistic. And basically in that realism, they were helping them to be prepared to stand. I think it's really a disservice when we tell people, oh, just trust in Jesus, have enough faith and everything will go okay. Well, you and I know that that's not true. And how the people who say that get away with it is, is they'll say, well, you must not have enough faith. 
Really, that's not the issue. You're going through it right now because that's life. That's life. And we live in this world. But it's a world that's filled with hard times. And you and I need to be realistic. And we need to be realistic with each other as we guide each other through this. Guide each other through this. Well, that brings me to my fifth thing that I want you to see about guidance. We see it in verse 5. Okay, Verse 5. We're actually going to see two more things here that I think are very important. Look at what he says. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. All right, so here's a couple things I want you to see. Again, important components for you and I as we give each other spiritual guidance. Here it is. Number one, it's important to know the status of their faith. It's important to know the status of their faith. You know, as I've been pastoring through the years, and as I've been in this church for how many years now, and as I was in another church, and I've been a part of other churches, I often, I often recall, I have in my mind, people who have left the faith and when they did, I've, I've taken note of the reaction among the other members of the congregation. Maybe it's our congregation or some of these other congregations. And a lot of times the reaction is, I didn't know that was going on. I didn't know, I usually hear this, I didn't know they were struggling. I didn't know that they were wrestling. I didn't know that that was happening in their life. Do you, do you catch that phrase? I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. See, sometimes we, when we come to church, we can get so wrapped up in our own world that we're not looking at the obvious of what's happening around us and in the lives of other people. Or we're so busy, we don't want to really get involved in the lives of others to know what's going on in their life. See, Paul, it was so important to him. He's conveying here in verse 5, he really wanted to know how they were doing in their faith. So that when something did happen, he wasn't surprised by it, like many of us are. When we see somebody we've seen a long time and love, and then they just give up and they leave. We invested in them. We wanted to know what was happening to them. See, that's, that's really important if you're going to give spiritual guidance in your life to others around you. Is that you take the time, I take the time, to invest and find out what's going on in their lives. Which brings me to my final point about spiritual guidance, okay? We see this again in verse 5. They wanted to be sure that they were withstanding temptation. They wanted to be sure that they were withstanding temptation. We all know about temptation, right? Because we all face it. There's not anyone alive who does not face temptation. Even Jesus, the Son of God who was perfect, who did not sin, was tempted as we are. 
Isn't that what Paul says in 1 Corinthians? There is no temptation taken a man except that which is common to man. And so you and I, every one of us, are facing a continual temptations day in, day out, being onslaughted, and they wanted to be sure that they were not being tempted to walk away. Those Thessalonians were holding on because the tempter was tempting them. They wanted to be sure that they were holding on, that they were withstanding the temptation. Are you concerned for others around you, whoever they are, in the church family, in your world that you're in, the believers that are in the world that you are interacting in on a daily basis, are you concerned that they're withstanding the temptation? That's a key factor in the issue of guidance. Okay, so you're saying, okay, wow, that's good information, George. What do I do with that? What, the, what, what, what is the importance of that for me? What is, what is the importance of that for, for our church as we interact? Not just for you as pastor or for the elders or for the trustees or for Sunday school teachers or women's leaders in our church. What, 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 what's the importance of that? Well, I'm going to give you a couple things to think about, okay? A couple things to bring this home for you and I, okay? Here's the first one. You were not meant to live your life in isolation. It is not a good thing for you and I to say, we don't need anyone else. We can handle this. That is a big, fat lie. Because you can't handle this. You can't handle life alone. And if you're a child of God, you were never meant to live in isolation. You need others. And if you are a part of the Kermansville Christian Church family, you need everyone else who's a part, just as we need you. You were not meant to live in isolation. So I want you to think about that and own that fact and begin to think outside of your bubble. And begin to be concerned for others around you. So, for instance, you know, before we again decided to stop meeting in regards to the guidance that's out there, we met for three weeks. And even as we met for three weeks, we weren't complete because there was still a segment of our congregation that wasn't coming out because of health reasons and their vulnerability and so there, there are some folks that we have not seen, if you've been coming to the service, we've not seen since March. Are you concerned for them? Are you wondering how they're doing? How's their faith? Are they hanging in there? See, that's what it means to live outside of yourself. So, number one, you weren't meant to live your life in isolation. Here's the second thing. Spiritual wholeness comes in guiding others in the walk with Jesus. See, here's a component that I haven't mentioned yet, but I need to as we end. You weren't meant to live it alone, but I'm going to tell you right now, for your own spiritual well-being... You were meant to pour your life into the lives of others. 
And your spiritual wholeness is because you are reaching out to others. I think about years ago, the Navigators had a, had a wheel called the Balanced Christian Life. And one component of that life was the whole issue of evangelism. See, spiritual wholeness doesn't come unless I share my faith with others who need Jesus. That's one aspect. But there's also that aspect of the balanced Christian life where I share in the needs of being there and discipling others to guide them in their journey. And you might be saying, well, you know, George, I, I'm not really mature in my faith. How can I guide anybody? I'm going to tell you right now, everybody is at a different level from somebody else. And I learn from everyone in our church. And everyone can learn even from you. But you've got to make that decision to be a guide. Spiritual wholeness comes in guiding others in the walk with Jesus. Okay. So here's what needs to happen. At some point in the future, we don't know when that is, we'll return to a normal church life. It will be different, but we'll be able to interact with each other and even now, you know who they are. You know who the people, some of you are in contact with each other. You need to be proactive now and being concerned with others. How are they doing? How are they handling this? How are they handling the isolation? How's their walk with Jesus? It's incumbent on all of us to do that. And if we do, our church will be all the more stronger. Isn't that what's important? That we strengthen each other in the faith? Let me pray for you.